It's easy to feel that you're suspended in time at Augusta National. But just as indelible as the breathtaking landscape are the memories of one man's dramatic mastery here. His name, Jack Nicholas. With a determined eye, Nicholas slipped on a green jacket for a fifth time. But in 1986, there would be one more, one for the ages. savored and celebrated his sixth green jacket. It lingers as a haunting memory for Greg Norman. That day in 86, he came to the 72nd hole tied with Nicholas and could have forced the playoff with this putt. Instead, it was only a harbinger of disappointments at the Masters. He has been so tantalizingly close, but never triumphant. And now he's on the brink of Augusta immortality. At long last, will this be the day of Greg Norman's victorious bow at the Masters? Well, after that overly long intro from Jim Nance, we welcome you to episode number 10 of the Let's Remember Some Sports podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Bancari in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. Joining me from Regina, former Moose Jaw Media Mafia member from his time working for Golden West Radio and Moose Jaw Warriors, now working for CTV Regina. I almost said you're in Moose Jaw, which I was like, wait, no, he moved. It is Mark Smith. Mark, how are things on this Saturday? Uh, they're doing good. Uh, I'm just down the road from Musha now. I am in Regina, but uh, yeah, uh, looking forward to, to talking um, about uh, a, a crazy 1996 Masters. Yes, which leads us to the game event that you picked. I, you picked the year 1996, and then shockingly, well, not really because I know you pretty well, you've gone with the final round of the 1996 Masters. I know why you picked this, but explain to the listeners why you went with this one. 
um, because it is an epic collapse, and to be able to talk about uh, Greg Norman's um, second Masters collapse will be a, a lot of fun. I was going to try to throw you off the scent and pick 96 and then just like pick something random, like the Wyoming... BYU game that you listed in there, but uh, I decided to go with what I know best, and that's the 96 Masters. What a shame. We'll have to have you back to do Wyoming BYU for the WAC championship. Um, actually, it was funny that you picked this, because I don't know if for your case, uh, this was the very first Masters I remember seeing. My next-door neighbor had a VHS copy of 86, so I saw that religiously, but I actually remember seeing a Masters final round. This would be the first one for me. I don't know what it was for you. No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't actually get into like golf until the next year when Tiger Woods dominated and and made everyone a golf fan. And then uh, it started my obsession with golf. And this was actually the first time I've ever sat down and watched the full final round. So it was uh, pretty interesting to see the the ups and downs. I'd seen you know the the highlights and or the lowlights, as you <laughs> might put it, with Greg Greg Norman collapsing. But I'd never watched the full thing, and uh, it was uh, it was pretty interesting. To, to see uh, how the collapse kind of came together. So let's take, let's set the scene a little bit here. In the opening round of the tournament, Greg Norman shoots a nine under round 63, which ties the course record set by Nick Price in the third round in 1986. Only two guys ever to do it. Norman is two strokes up on Phil Mickelson, who shot a 30 on the back nine on Thursday. On on Friday in round two, Norman shoots a nice round of 69 to go 12 under par for the tournament. Nick Falda, who shot 690 opening round, shoots a 67 to go to 8 under. Lefty shoots a 1 over 73 to fall to 6 under with David Frost. The lefty, if you watch the ending highlight pack of the week, makes a crazy shot, second shot in 18 just to get there. No amateurs made the cut for the tournament. 44 players made the cut, the lowest number since 1974. Tom Watson's streak of 21 straight cuts made comes to an end. Some guy named Tiger Woods was a low amateur at 6 over. One ahead of Ben Crenshaw, defending champion, missed a cut at 7-over. As you mentioned, Tiger did okay the next year at the Masters. It's incredible that he was 6-over and then shot 18-under the next year. <laughs> and then they had to redesign the course, basically, after he destroyed <laughs> yeah. it. Round 3, Norman shoots 1-under par 71 to go to 13-under par. Faldo shoots 1-over 73 to drop to 7-under. According to Wikipedia, ever accurate, he made a scrambling par on 18, which put him in the final pair for that Sunday, one shot ahead of Phil Mickelson. Faldo had gotten to it in three strokes at one point. So that kind of sets the scene there. You mentioned Greg Norman at majors. Now, he had won two majors in his career. Uh, the British Opens in 1986 and in 1993, but he probably could have won a lot more. Just looking at some of the ones he didn't win. 84 US Open, lost in the playoff to Fuzzy Zeller. 86 Masters, he birdies 14, 7, 15, 16, and 17, then implodes on 18, loses by one stroke to Jack Nicholas. I heard that tournament was okay. He was <laughs> he was in the lead, one up on Hal Sutton Lee Trevino going into the final round of the U.S. Open, then shoot to 75 to end up in 12th, leading Bob Tway by four strokes in the 86 PGA Championship, shoot to 76 in the final round. Tway holds out from a bunker in 18 to win. 1987 Masters, he just misses a 20-foot putt to win on 18. Then he loses in the playoff because Larry Mize makes a shot of his life. In 1989, he again had a shot to force the playoff. Birdie 9, 10, 13, 15, 16, and 17. But bogey's the last hole to miss out in the playoff with Nick Fallow and Scott Hoke. And then in 93, lost in the playoff to Paul Azinger at the PGA Championship. So, for all intents and purposes, Greg Norbert should have like five majors. Yeah, he uh, his career is a, a major what if I, I do believe uh, he's one of the the golfers that you kind of look at 
and just kind of go, how didn't he win more majors? He was so dominant for so long and, and really had the, the length that not many players had at that point. And just the fact that he only came away with two opens is, is pretty incredible because he was, as you mentioned, right in it in a lot of uh, majors, including the Masters. And um, it just was right there and had chances to win them, but just couldn't finish it off. Uh, Nick Fowler at this point already won two Masters in a playoff over Scott Hoke in 1989 and a playoff over Ray Floyd in 1990. He also won three British Opens in 87, 90, and 92. But the last major he really contended for going into this was the PGA and the British Opens in 93. Uh, was second to Greg Norman, uh, two strokes back with Norman shooting a 64 in the final round. Uh, Fowler shot a 67. And at the PGA, he was one stroke out of a playoff with Eisner and Norman that year. And the other guy who's kind of in the mix is Phil Mickelson. Mickelson, who was low amateur to Masters in 1991, happened in the mix in 95 at a couple of majors. He ended up tied for seventh with Scott Hoke uh, at the Masters in 95, but was one stroke off of Ben Crenshaw and something called a Brian Henninger. Always good in these majors when I hear of guys I've never heard of. Uh, they're in the mix to win. And then the U.S. Open, he ended up tied for fourth, was one shot off Tom Lehman and Greg Norman for the lead, going around three. Of course, Corey Pavin won that tournament. So it's interesting, too, to see where Faldo is at, because Faldo's kind of this is kind of his last real run, and then Mickelson's about ready to go off here in the next little bit. Well, this was an interesting time, too. It was kind of that transition time, because you had Faldo, who's 39, and Norman in his 40s, and it's it's the like it's right before Tiger takes over, and Phil is just kind of getting going, and uh, was the young gun on tour. You had, you had David Duvall in the top 10 at this tournament. Damn right, you do have David Duvall in the well. top 10. Um VJ Singh as well was up around there. Um, so yet kind of the next generation that was coming into play was just getting started and it was kind of the end of, of another generation. So uh, it, it was an interesting point in golf and uh, Nick Faldo gets that, that final win to, to really cement himself as one of the, the greats of that kind of generation. So you've already heard the intro. Uh, the broadcast finally starts. Hello, friends. It's Jim Nance, who calls it a luminous aura around Augusta. Calm down, Jim. We just started this broadcast. Uh, some of the highlights in the first few holes, because this is back in the day when they kind of would join in progress as opposed to now where they show of a couple hours where the final pairing gets going. On the first hole, Norman misses a par putt. He ends up bogeying. Follow makes par. The lead is down to five. Second hole, Norman goes over green like a man of culture, like yours truly. He puts it short off the rough to get into short of the hole. Birdies hole two to get it back to 13 under. Fowler keeps pace by birdieing. Uh, after powering the third hole, Norman finds the bunker in front of the green on four. Bogies for the third straight day and a par three to fall to 12 under. Meanwhile, Phil Mickelson has gotten a seven under uh, by birdieing the sixth hole, which is the only the third player to do that during the course of the day. Speaking of hole number six, Fowler, who's fallen to set under, missing an eight-foot putt for par, and his last makes birdie to cut the lead to four strokes after Norman has made par. So at the top of the leaderboard at this point, Norman is 12 under par. Fowler's at eight under. He's closed from six shots back to four back. Nicholson's at six under. Duffy Waldorf at five under. And then the tie for fifth with Corey Pavin, John Houston, and Scott Hoke at this point. Everybody's still on the front nine. Now, you heard about all the top leaders, but all of a sudden, why are we seeing Raymond Floyd, who's at six over par, making a shot on the 16th? Because <laughs> he nailed it. <laughs> Here it is. The man who won the Masters 20 years ago, Ray Floyd. Traditional Sunday placement at 16. The man who went wire to wire back in 76 at age 53. 
That's right. That's the kind of a day it's going to be here. Master Sunday in Augusta, Georgia. Ray Floyd with a hole-in-one at 16. Not a bad route tournament for Raymond Floyd. He gets the hole-in-one, and he also eagled the 15th of a chip in round one. Sure, he's six over, but he's making shots. He's get, hey, he's getting on the highlights to start off the, the, the final round on Sunday, so that he's doing something right, even if he's not going to win. Uh, we now cut to Butler Cabin. Hi, everybody. I'm Jim Nance. How dare you? Don't even give us a hello, friends. He hadn't, he hadn't evolved to the hello friends yet. Uh, he, he was still young and, and hadn't kind of settled into that hello friends. Uh, so Norman is trying to go wire to wire, I should say, Allo Raymond Floyd in 1976. The others to do that were Craig Wood in 1941, Arnold Palmer in 1960, Jack Nicholas in 1972. I'm now going to put Mark on the spot here with some trivia. Mark, one other golfer since then has gone wire to wire to win the Masters. Who is it? Jordan in 2015. Very good. I am flabbergasted that you know Jordan. Remember when Jordan's Peep was the man? <laughs> hey, 2016 was a very Greg Norman-esque <laughs> <laughs> Masters for Jordan's Peep. Uh, another content for another show. Uh, we now go, we're said mentor inside Butler Cabin, and now we're going to hear for a guy who's joined the broadcast group for today. Here is defending Nassau champion Ben Crenshaw. Uh, it's going to be exciting. You know, I think that everyone went to, to sleep last night thinking that Norman has this tournament. He, he has played magnificent golf all the way through. It appears that way, but we're at a different place uh, where so many things have happened and can happen. One thing is that uh, the wind is not blowing uh, that much today, which is in Greg's favor. But it also, and on the other hand, it gives these other people confidence. These people are dangerous behind him. You see Nick Faldo doing what he's doing. Phil Mickelson's ever dangerous. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Crenshaw with a bit of foreshadowing there of what we could see during the course of the day. Uh, Jim then gives us the final round pairings, um, few of which I don't think ever got any coverage during the course of this final round. <laughs> Ernie Els and Ian Woosnam, David Duvall and Frank Nabalo, uh, Houston Hoke, McCarron and Frost, Mickelson, Waldorf, Norman Fowlow. I'm pretty sure Els Woosnam was never shown during this broadcast. I didn't see one shot of Els. I don't remember seeing a shot of Duvall. Um, for most of the most of the day, it was Faldo, Norman, Mickelson, Noblo, and Waldorf was all they showed. <laughs> there was as as Corey Pavin started to move up a little bit, they gave him some coverage. But other than that, we saw five golfers. So CBS has not changed. <laughs> Uh, you beat me to it. Uh, your announcers on the back nine. We get the old thing where you actually showed the announcers talking about the hole. We have Peter Costas on the 10th. Bobby Clampett's at Amen Corner. Ken Venturi's on the 13th. Basically shows up the whole broadcast. Jerry Pate's on 14th. Uncle Vern! Vern Lundquist is on 15 and 16. You love to see it. Sean McDonough. Fresh off, we don't have any more baseball games to call for the World Series. You want to do the Masters? Um, he's on 17th. And then Jim Nance is on 18th. Interesting group of guys. I want to point out they need to bring back these broadcaster intros because that was fun. Well, was it? I think it was like they used to show they had the floating head graphics show, but now this year it was just like a chart. Oh, by the way, these guys are on the hole. I mean, it's different this yeah. year because of reasons, but. But, like, how awesome would it be to have each guy tell you about what their hole is and then and then get into the coverage? Like, I, 
I think they need to bring that back. It'd be a good addition. Uh, they probably would start doing it because they play the clip where Gary McCord start talking about body bags being hidden behind bunkers and bikini wax screens. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. They, they save themselves because they, they can McCord anyway. <laughs> this is true. Um... We've already had our third leaderboard update, like 10 minutes into this coverage. We finally get some on-course action. We hit to the seventh hole, follow the norm, make their second shots. Um, on this, on the par 4, 360-yarder. We didn't even get a master's memory cut back to the Larry Mice chip. They're just trying to send Greg Norman over the edge here with these highlight packs. The intro shows him losing 86. Well, and they even, it was a few holes from now uh, when he started to make all the bogeys, but they, they even brought up the, the, the biggest collapses in Masters history. And I'm just like, <laughs> you guys are just dragging him down. Like, they, they had this storyline pegged. They knew this was going to happen before it even started to happen. Oh, man. Anyways, uh, both guys get onto the green on the par four. Uh, Faldo just goes left to hold and hits himself in the back of the head of his putter before tapping for par to stay at eight under par. Norman just misses to the left. He makes par. He's still at 12 under. We then get some Jack Nicholas coverage because, sure, he taps for par to finish at 9 over. 70, 73, 76, and 78 for the week. We now head over to the 8th hole. Phil Mickelson is gearing up for his third shot in this par 5. He's 3 under under these par 5s for the week at this point. Norman's at 11 under. Follows at 9 under. We now go to Vern Lundquist. This an uphill 535 yard par 5 eighth. Oh boy. Kenny? I'm not sure what he was trying to do. That wasn't Phil Mickelson, was it? I don't think so. <laughs> I've never seen. I, he tried to bounce it off the hill, but see, the one thing, Vern, the hole is the closest to the front of the green as I have ever seen. It's 20 feet on the green and, fi and, and, and 15 feet from each side. I've never seen it there that I can remember. Mark, what the hell was that? happened there <laughs> <laughs> that oh my lord um duffy waldorf's third shot ends up being short after that Vern lunk which just goes oh boy Vern cannot believe what he's watching <laughs> Baldo, or sorry mickelson's fourth shot is a flop shot ends up a few feet away i don't know maybe you play that on your third shot and i try to run and chip over the ridge yeah i just i don't get it like he lines up and He's, he's known for, for his flop shots, and instead of going for that early, or at, with the third shot, waits till the fourth one when he has to do it again. I don't know. Uh, anyways, Mickelson's putt attempt then lips out for par. He falls to 500 for bogey. What an adventure that was. You mentioned we didn't see other golfers. During this span, we also see shots. Davis of the third ring and eagle putt. We also get Corey Pavin, Fred Couples, Bernhard Longer, and John Daly. So, <laughs> they were showing golfers at this point that they completely forgot about it as the round went on. Yeah, I think I do have a note that I, I said. I'm like, oh, it's nice to see that they're showing a whole bunch of golf shots. And then that just went away as after, you know, two or holes <laughs> later. They just completely focused on only Faldo and Norman after that. I, I want to point out, though, like, if Phil doesn't bogey seven and eight, like, he could have been, like, right in that conversation uh, for the title, like, like he was right behind them, and Norman was just about to, to start falling apart. So, like, he would have been in there, but... I was going to say, wait till we get to the... Kept him out of it. Yeah, wait till we get to the back nine, because there's more train wrecks from Phil coming as this round goes on. Yeah. 
We don't get the tee shots on eight for Faldo and Norman. Faldo's second shot doesn't make the green. It goes right of the hole for 265 yards away. Norman's second shot for 250 yards away pulls it left, ends up in the trees. But unlike Bryson, he's able to find his ball. Hate, 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 hate. <laughs> Faldo's third shot is a chip that just ends up short front of the fringe doesn't quite get the bounce that he wants norman's third shot after switching clubs he makes a bump and run ends up near the front of the green yesterday norman was 13 of 18 of greens making greens in that round so far he's three for eight today that seems like a trend you don't want to have continue during this round he, he just kept going left all day and it just it, he couldn't figure out that swing norman's fourth shot almost holds it out he ends up tapping for par to stay at 12 under which sets up this birdie attempt by Nick Faldo. The authoritative voice of Fanny Simpson is caddy. He is no longer upset. The lead is three with ten to play on Sunday in Augusta. Fado drains it. He ends up at nine under par. He's now three shots back of Norman. Meanwhile, on 11, Frank Noble makes his fourth straight birdie. gets a five under, and he's now in a three-way tie for third with Mickelson and Waldorf. So, as you mentioned, things starting to get pretty interesting here as this round goes on. Well, and Norman's still pretty – he's still far ahead and far enough ahead and has some room. Uh, he's only two up on Faldo, but like the rest of the group's far enough behind him that he doesn't have to really worry about them. But they're all making charges, and he this is when he starts to kind of the wheels fall off. You mentioned that we're on in the ninth hole. It's a par four, 435 yards, only birdied three times today. Faldo and Norman both make the fairway. Uh, we're getting some more Davis Love the third and Corey Pavin birdie coverage. Also, Noble had a 40 footer on the 12th hole for uh that for birdie doesn't make that he makes a seven footer for par though so he stays where he's at on the leaderboard Mickelson, by the way over on the 10th is short and taps for par remember that seven footer for par mentioned for Noblo? i forgot Noblo misses this and he drops the four under so guys are just missing putts already good sign going forward yeah. faldo shoots his approach 112 yards away lands at the back of the green which brings us to this approach shot now from 100 yards out by greg norman Ben, the one thing you guard against here is short. I got to believe if Norman wants to go to the back nine with a three-shot three, three shot lead, he has to be long. He, he must be long, Ken. You're right. He has only 100 yards to the hole. Oh, there it is, Kenny. That's what you have to guard against. That is, that is, you just can't do that. You have to be long. Faldo was long, way long, but he was right. He had, he played the right shot. Now you've got a big problem. Unlike Faldo, Norman ends up short of the hole and the ball rolls all the way back down the fairway. He chips it past hole, ends up pin high on his third shot. And Faldo's kind of setting up the scene here now in the green. Faldo's third shot just burns the edge in a long attempt. He taps for par. Nine under for the tournament, two for the round. I'm pretty sure the numbers are written in comic stands. Good work, CVS, on your scorecard. Norman's uh, par attempt breaks left away from the hole. He bogeys. He's now at 11 under and plus two for the round. This is where things are starting out. to fall apart for Greg, Mark. I, I, before we get to Greg, I want to point out, Faldo's putt should have dropped there on Yes. That, that, that was a beautiful putt, and he, 
he could have really swung in two strokes there, but didn't, and Norman would give him the opportunities in the next few holes to, to claw it back, but uh, that could have been a big swing there uh, early on here uh, to finish off the front nine. Uh, thoughts on the Norman approach shot? Uh, because I know Venturi and them are going off about it. Like, why don't you going for the back of the green? Yeah, it didn't really, I, I don't know. It just didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, wrong club selection, maybe, or I don't know. He just didn't have, didn't seem comfortable with that swing and came up a little bit short. So on the 10th hole, par four, 485 yards, starting to back nine. Ben Crenshaw says, quote, we're going to see some stuff on this back nine. Thanks, Tips. We are definitely going to see some stuff here. Oh, man. Uh, Norman ends up, you mentioned he's pulling it left. With seven iron, he goes left of the green. His approach shot Faldo finds the green, which brings us to our fun facts. If Norman wins at 41, he would be the oldest first-time champion and end the longest wait in his 16th attempt. Mark Amira would end up setting those records in 1998 with his 15th attempt. Sergio Garcia broke that recently, his 19th attempt winning the Masters. Meanwhile, on 11, Mickelson hits a great approach shot just a few feet away. Then he misses left on the birdie, taps for par, stays at 500, but missed the chance to get within four of the leaders. Norman, now 3 of 10 on green tip, chips it past the hole. Faldo's just short for birdie again, but taps in to stay at 9 under par. Norman is short and left on his putt attempt for par. Bogey's his second straight hole. He's now at 10 under and only one shot ahead. That putt is, the, I think, the turning point. Like, 12 is, is where things really come unglued, but I think that missed par putt is really the, the big turning point right there because that just took all the wind out of his sails. Mm-hmm. Over on 13, Noblo makes his birdie on the par 5 to get back to 5 under. Faldo drives down the middle on the 11th, the par 4, 445-yard hole. At this point, you hear the crowd muttering as the Norman score gets posted on the scoreboard, going... <laughs> Norman hits it down the middle. Uh, thing I noticed on the 12 holes, uh, Duffy Waldorf's seen off. His hat is signed by a whole bunch of random people. He's also sponsored by Miller Lite. Things you would not see happen on the tour today. <laughs> uh, and if you did, that person would be a legend. Uh, would Beef Johnson sponsored by Arby's? Tragedy. Didn't do as well after that. Uh, he ends up no, back. He the... kind of fell apart. Yeah, so you would too if you went to Arby's every day. Uh, Mickelson goes <laughs> off the green to the right in his lawn. Also, we have a Nick Price shot in the 17th, which I don't understand why we have Nick Price coverage all of a sudden. We haven't shown him all day. They're, they they got to check him off the list. They need to get him on the air. <laughs> Where's my Duval coverage, you cowards? Um, meanwhile, on 13, Scott Hoke makes a birdie putt. Uh, he's now in a four-way tie for Nobolo, Mickelson, and Waldorf at five under par. So, second shot. Faldo makes the green below the hole. Norman makes green pin high on the right. Mickelson of a bump and run attempt for his par putt on 12. He ends up missing that attempt, which kind of basically ends Mickelson's real charge at that point. And you mentioned final round collapse as we get ready for your 11th hole. The largest final round lead loss at that point, Ed Sneed, was 5 up in 1979. Get the record books ready, kid. That's about to change. Spoilers. <laughs> Faldo's third shot goes yeah, that, right. Uh... Go ahead. Oh, and I was just going to say that uh, definitely uh, was a bit of foreshadowing from the broadcast. Well done there by the producers. Uh, Fowler's third shot goes right and pass. Well, he will tap it in for his par putt. Meanwhile, we now go to Norman. He just misses making this birdie. Well, he should make this par putt. Let's hear what happens. Oh. <laughs> Three bogeys in a row. 
third round leader Greg Norman. The lead which started at the beginning of the day at six is down now to a tie. He does not make that par putt. He's down to nine under. Third straight bogey. We're now tied for the lead at the Masters after 11 holes in the final round. What is happening? Yeah, I, I think everyone there was going, what is going on? Because Norman was he was just in control going into this final round, and then things just collapsed, uh, and especially right here in a to start Amen's corner, uh, he was falling apart uh, and leaking oil pretty hard. So on to the par 3, 165-yard 12, followed with a 7-iron ends up middle of the green. Norman also with a 7-iron on his tee shot. <laughs> Good looking shot. It's heading at the flag. Is it the right number? Wow. Two days in a row. There's the ball submerged in Race Creek. That ball will not be playable. Three bogeys in a row. And then this. Sploosh! It bounces and rolls right in the raised creek. Welp. Norman then hits six 85-yard drop. He makes the green. Still has a 12-footer for bogey. Misses that. Ends up short. He double bogeys. Followed just misses the birdie attempt. Taps for par stay at 9-under. Norman's now two shots back at 7-under for double bogey and plus 6 on the day. Hole number 12 strikes yeah. again. Yep. Yeah, we've seen it many a times, and we still see it, how it swings in. We saw it last year with Tiger Woods. That, that hole swung it in his favor. Um, and here with Greg Norman uh, puts it in the water. Um, just a, a bad decision to go for that pin position. He could have easily put it into the middle of the green and just kind of limited the damage, go for par. But uh, tries to go for the hole, ends up short, and rolls back into the water as many, many have done before. Mm-hmm. So, on to the par 5, 485-yard 13th. Uh, Mickelson, by the way, just birdied to get back to 5-under on the hole. Faldo makes fairway. Norman ends up in the straw right on where Mickelson was on his tee shot. Norman has a long chat of his caddy, Tony Navarro, but elects to lay up. Uh, Faldo, on his second shot, thinking about using a wood, does and switches to iron, makes a brilliant shot and ends up on the green. And something you hear Nick talk about uh, in the post-round post interview in Butler Cabin. Yeah, I thought when he when he went back to the bag after stepping away from it with the wood twice, I thought he was going to, you know, lay up and then pulls out the long iron and just laces a great shot right into the middle of the middle of the green and has an eagle putt waiting for him. Mm -hmm. uh, Norman makes the green his third shot. The eagle puck foul, though, just misses. He will make the, uh, well, this set up these two birdie attempts. You're going to hear Norman's first and then you're going to hear Faldo's. What a key putt. What a read. What a good call, Ben. That, is, that may be the one he needed. God, what a, that was just great. And that may be the thing that, uh, that he needs. He needed that desperately, obviously, but uh, I just can't get over the brilliance of this hole. Uh, and it's here every year. It just absolutely rings you out with these decisions. Now we've seen a, certainly a, uh, an unlikely four from the other way. 
Well, it's the greatest par five under 500 in the world. Now this is this is no gimme. You may take it at your club, but you're not going to take it on Sunday afternoon at the Masters. And he leaves with birdie. Both making birdie, but Faldo ten under par. Greg Norman at eight, and Frank Navalo at six. Both guys made their birdies. Norman's now at eight under. Faldo is at ten under. Uh, meanwhile, while all this is going on, Navalo makes a birdie putt. He's now in third pl third place, uh, getting the six under on sixteen. So things getting a little bit more interesting now. And Norman's kind of bounced back a bit. Just Faldo keeps making putts here. Yeah, Faldo uh, definitely. Um, he came to play in this final round. It really showed that he had won two before and kind of knew what he was doing. He was that veteran and just made made the key shots and the key putts when he really needed to over the the final, you know, seven eight holes. Over to the par four fourteenth. Um, Faldo's a little bit right in his drive. Norman goes down the middle. Norman's second shot hits the slope, ends about three hundred feet away from the hole. <laughs> on the green. <laughs> I don't think the green's that large at the British Open. Uh, Foul second shot also finds the green. Uh, Noble misses a birdie putt but makes par on, on the 17th to stay at 6 under. Meanwhile, over on 15, uh, Mickelson, who's now at 4 under after bogeying 14th, um, his eagle attempt, he makes to get the 6 under, second eagle of the hole on the day with Davis of the 3rd. So Mickelson kind of back into this one. Norman's third shot, a fantastic putt, ends up being a few feet away from par, makes that to stay at 8-under. Faldo's putt is online, but ends up short. He makes that, and he stays at 10-under par. We now get ready for the 15th, and all of a sudden, why is Bill McAtee in Butler Cabin talking to Ben Crenshaw? Where the happened to Jim Nance? He's got to get to 18. <laughs> oh, man. Let's hear what Bill and Ben have to say. Nick Faldo with a two-shot lead. Greg Norman as they play the 15th. Bill McAtee and Ben Crenshaw back now in Butler Cabin. And we talked about Greg Norman having the advantage on the par fives. He couldn't take advantage of that at 13. He has to do it now, I guess. I've got a sneaking suspicion that 15 is going to be the swing hole in the tournament. Uh, it looks like it is. <laughs> you would never know. We've seen all kinds of things so far. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how far left they've gone on 15. It looks like they, they may be a hair here too far left, but uh, I don't know. No, it looks, I think it looks pretty good. Those shadows at this time of day, always a key indicator on what will happen with that second shot. So we're on to the par five, 500 yard 15th. At this point, by the way, we're just basically at Novolo, Mickelson, and Waldorf being shown. Nobody else other than the other guys here. Novolo finishes up. He bogeys the last hole to end up at five under for the tournament. 71, 71, 72, and 69. So on to the second shots after both guys make their way to the left. Faldo's second shot bounces off the back edge of the green with 212 yards out. Norman going for the green, 200 yards out on this attempt. Toward the bunker. Holds up. Uh-oh. That'll stop. And his heart stopped for a moment as well, I bet. Norman shot ends up hitting near the bunker on the right and rolls down the slope, but ends up stopping, luckily for him, which now sets up this chip attempt. 
Wonderful touch. Oh, goodness! It's the first time I've seen him show emotion all day, right? He thought and we thought, Kenny, for a moment. And I thought, I thought that is dead center. Very timely. If you're wondering what the photo is that we use for the show art, it is from this shot. Norman just about holds out this eagle chip and then collapses. I thought he, I thought he had it. Uh, that was going in, and I don't know how much that would have changed uh, what happened, uh, in, you know, the next hole. But that was uh, quite could have been quite the uh, turn of events if he would have drained that eagle. Mm -hmm. Norman does get the birdie, gets a nine under. Meanwhile, follow chips on the green from a few feet away, and he makes birdie, so it stays at eleven and stays at the two stroke advantage. Follow at eleven under. Norman at nine under. So that sets up the tee shots on the par 316 from 180 yards. Follow finds middle green, and now here's Norman's attempt. Yeah, get it short. No. Two years ago, Greg Norman shot a 77 in the final round. Three years ago, Greg Norman shot a 77 in the final round. In neither of those cases, however, was he in contention. Last year, a tie for third. Now he stands at the drop area. The six shot lead with which he began this day, an ever increasingly distant memory. Welp, that goes well last into the drink. Vern Lundquist, this one candidly might go down as one of the great final round collapses in tournament history. You don't say, Vern. Thanks, Vern. Um, <laughs> I, I think this was the first time where it looked like Norman knew he's he lost it. Yeah. Because like, the, the, the rest of the time, he, he, you could still see that he, he knew he had some holes and could, could get back into things and kind of find his mojo. But as soon as that ball left the club face... The look in his, the look on his face was just like it's over. I, I lost this. The best. I don't know if you hear in the background. Like some guy in the crowd's going, "Oh, it's going to the water!" Woo! <laughs> <laughs> that guy had money on fall though. <laughs> uh, Norman's third shot ends up in a good spot, but it's way too late for that. Uh, yeah. He misses the bogey attempt. He taps in his double bogey again on the par five. Uh, six over for the round. Again, taps in uh, now at seven under. Fowlows has a heck of a break on his birdie attempt. It just misses. He taps in for par, and he stays at 11 under. For all intents and purposes, this one's basically over, Mark. Yeah, it definitely is. And uh, the 17, they both just kind of play it pretty easy. And, and then Faldo, um just kind of cruises from uh, there, there on uh, into the, the 18th hole. Up ahead on 18, Mickelson and Waldorf finish their rounds. Waldorf ends up at 4 under, 72, 71, 69, and 72. Mickelson drains a lawn par putt over on 18 to finish at 6 under, 65, 73, and then two rounds of 72. Ken Venturi says, I truly believe you're looking at a future Masters champion right there, Jim Nance. Maybe next year with the way that he's been improving at tournament. Jim, he missed the cut in 97. Yeah, and it took him 10 more years to get one. <laughs> 
Uh, we watched some U.S. Open collapse. next. Just trigger all the Mickelson fans. Anyway, um, on 17th, um, Faldo and Norman both make the green. Uh, both end up tapping for pars. We're kind of just rounding out the string here. Faldo 11 under Norman at 7 under. Norman on his on the final hole, the 18th. Norman with a surge shot gets into a couple of feet. Uh, taps in for par to finish at 7 under. 63, 69, 71, and 78. And now to finish out the round, here is Nick Faldo. today he'd get it right here he had a number Greg did not have a number he got it Nick Faldo has won the Masters for the third time you think it was meant to be with that putt yeah, Jimmy that's one of the biggest comebacks I have ever experienced ever not that coming from six back but what he won by. Oh, what a great moment. These two warriors who have battled so many times. I'll tell you one thing. You go to the dictionary and look up the word class and you'll see a picture of Greg Norman. No question. I'm proud of him. Well, Nick Faldo has been called meticulous, methodical, but above all, you can call him a Masters champion for a third time. Faldo drains the birdie to finish at 12 under rounds of 69, 67, 73, and 67 to finish off the tournament. Faldo wins his third championship at the Masters, tying him with Gary Player, Sam Steen, Jimmy DeMare. Nicholas, at Jack Nicholas at this point, had six. Palmer had four. Eventually, Nicholas would get to three, and Tiger, of course, with five. Him and Norman walk off arm in arm after lawn embrace, in which Faldo told Norman to quote, "Don't let the bastards get you down." Well, they got him down. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, really nice putt in the last hole to finish off. It's actually funny because he makes a shot out of the bunker to get on the green, and you hear the guys talking about it. it's Sandy Lyle esque. Yeah, and they said if it, the pin was a little bit different place, it might have fed down into their uh, but. Uh, he makes that putt, and that was a, a great way to finish things off. I also found it interesting that they mentioned as he was walking up 18 that that was the he's won three, but that was the only time he got the the like the ceremonial you're the winner walking up 18 because the other two came in playoffs. So uh, interesting and a nice kind of finish there for Faldo. Mm -hmm. So that brings us to Butler Cab and Sally No Hootie Johnson. Jim is with Vice Chairman Joe Ford. Uh, ben Crenshaw and Nick Faldo are already there, and kind of different what it is now. We have Joe and Jim both asking questions, which you're going to hear now. Congratulations, Thank Nick. Thank you and very much. Joe. Nick, congratulations uh, to you. You started this morning six behind. What was your uh, strategy when you started? <laughs> strategy. Well, I think it was too much for that. I mean, I, I went out to do what I ended up doing, shooting 67, or as I said, 65, 66, 67. Would, uh, but um, I generally feel sorry for Greg. He's a... He's a great man, you know. It's um, in a way, it's a credit to the Masters for what you put us through. <laughs> I'm afraid, you know. It's a, it's the most nerve-wracking golf course in the world, isn't it? As simple as that. There's no, we have to play the most precise golf under the most extreme pressures, and uh, so you know, I've come out great, but uh, I do feel sorry for Craig. Well, you made the turn trailing by two. When did you think you could win? Um, well, when Greg bo bogeyed. Uh, 10 really I think that was a bit of momentum and uh, 
and then after that it was really um, hitting clutch shots. And I was I had the honour on twelve. I think that was very key. I hit you know just like good old match play strategy, get it on the green first, and so I hit a very good shot there. Then I had a very good two iron at thirteen. I had such a good line. I was I, I, I wanted to go for it, and but I was on such a steep slope. So um, you know I was toying between five wood and what have you, and I didn't. So finally went with two irons. I was very pleased with that shot. And then they were coming in really well. We, we was, Greg was still in it when we both chipped at 15. We both had very difficult chips, both get up and down there. And you know, the last three holes, we all know what happened. So you know, there we go. Well, did you uh, change your strategy at all uh, when you took the lead uh, through 12? No, I just tightened everything up. <laughs> <laughs> Swallowed harder, breathed harder. Try to walk, you know, I think that was a secret. I thought, well, you know, now it, I, was, I, was, I was now in a horrible situation. Now it was mine to lose. So, uh, you know, I had, to, uh, I had to put my head down and grind as hard as I could, you know, and uh, it, was, it was very difficult with emotion going on. And, you know, I, so I'm obviously, you know, I'm delighted the way I've, I've played that, that back nine today. Well, for the third time, you were coming up 18. Uh, what were your thoughts today when you were winning? Well, coming up eight, well, I finally got a four-shot lead, which was really, you know, you wouldn't believe it. So I was able to enjoy it and uh, enjoy it in a strange way. As I said, I, I was trying to enjoy it, but I do feel sorry for Greg. Well, you've heard from the champ. Now you're going to hear briefly a quick interview with Greg Norman. Mason, what happened today? Well, I really don't know. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to think about it yet, but obviously I didn't uh, play as well as I, I didn't putt very well today. It's just one of those things that uh, uh, things just didn't go my way. And, and Nick played a, a great round. He played very solid, very steady, and uh, you know, it was all my mistakes. So there you have the chat with both guys and the green jacket ceremony we'll play here to finish off the episode. Anything you noted from the uh, interviews with uh, Jim, or, or with Jim, with uh, Nick Faldo and then that brief uh, interlude with Greg Norman? Well, I just, I found it interesting that Norman blamed his putter for the loss. Like, yeah, he did miss the, those couple of short uh, par putts, but he was just all over the place with his approach shots all day so i i think he uh the initial thought was that he he probably was blaming the putter but i, I think after he went back and looked at it it, it was the everything else kind of fell apart for him mm -hmm. so something that they do here which i remember seeing a lot as a kid they go through every guy who played in the final round of alphabetical order and their scores so the final score is everybody who made the cut at 12 under nick faldo seven under greg norman six under phil Mickelson, five under frank novolo Four under Scott Hoke and Duffy Waldorf. Three under Davis Love III, Jeff Maggard and Corey Pavin. Two under David Frost and Scott McCarron. One under Ernie Els, Lee Jansen and Bob Tway. Even par Mark Kalkovecchia and Fred Couples. John Houston, one over. Two over Paul Azinger, David Duvall, my pick. Tom Lehman, Marco Mira and Nick Price. Three over Larry Mize and Lauren Roberts. Four over uh, Brad Fax and Raymond Floyd. Five over Bob Estes, Justin Leonard. Six over John Daly, Jim Furyk, Jim Gallagher Jr., Hale Irwin, Scott Simpson, Craig Stadler, Ian Woosnam. Just a shot to shield plus six Ian Woosnam during the final round coverage. Fred Funk, Jay Haas, Bernard Longer at seven under. Cole Montgomery, who was apparently a pre-tournament favorite, according to Jim Nance. And VJ Singer at eight over. Steve Lowry and Jack Nicholas at nine over. Sebi Ballesteros, 11 under. And seven Colin Alexander Sika, who I've never heard of, finished at 14 over. Yeah, that was that's rough. <laughs> um, I also want to point out that Bernard Longer shot a better score this year at the Masters than he did in 1996. Three years after he had won the second tournament. <laughs> yeah, and now he is 62 and out playing Bryson DeChambeau in a pairing in the final round. So 
good on Bernard for, you know, staying with it. You'd love to see it. Anyway, kind of the aftermath for the uh, main competitor, main contenders here. Uh, Faldo, as we kind of mentioned, this kind of basically his last hurrah. He was fourth at the British Open, three strokes back of Tom Lehman, but misses the cut at the Masters in 1997, shooting 12 over par. He was seventh at six over. They finished seventh at the 2000 U.S. Open. Only problem was Tiger shot 12 under for the week at Pebble <laughs> Beach. Slight issue. Uh, he was tied for fifth at the U.S. Open in 2002, well back of Tiger, though. Would play at the Masters one last time in 2006, and then his final major, the 2015 British Open. In terms of Norman, well, he did contend again. Uh, was in the mix uh, at the U.S. Open in 1996 after a couple rounds. Uh, ended up finishing in a tie for 10th. Uh, in 1999, his last real chance at the Masters, one off the lead going into Sunday, uh, ended up finishing uh, in third, three shots back of Jose Maria Olafable. Um, in the British Open that year, he ended up three strokes back in sixth place of Paul Lowry, John Vandevelt, and Justin Leonard. He was eight back of Vandevelt going into Saturday, mind you, and then, well, after Saturday, things happened there. Uh, and then his last real hurrah was in 2008, tied with third with Henrik Stenson, was two up on KJ Choi and Padraig Carrington after Saturday, shot a 77 on Sunday, well back of Harrington. His last events for majors, the 2009 Masters and British Open. And you hear us mention Mickelson earlier. Mickelson, of course, goes on to win three Masters, 04, 06, and 2010. Well, Mark, we've kind of gone over everything now, which leads me to this answer. Would you recommend people go back and watch this tournament, or at least the final round, which is on YouTube? I think so. I, I think it's a it's an interesting watch to, to just really see the the collapse of uh, Greg Norman. But I, also the something that doesn't get talked about a lot, I think, is, is just how steady Faldo played in that final round. It, as much as it was a, a Norman collapse, I think Faldo went out and and also won it a little bit too. But with that round, uh, he he uh, he definitely put the pressure on Norman and and really helped kind of maybe push him into that collapse. Would I recommend this? Well, yes, it's the Masters. Um, obviously, there's other tournaments you should probably watch first. But, um, yeah, it was definitely interesting to see just how the Norman collapse develops, especially because I haven't seen this in almost 25 years. And like you mentioned, Fowler played really well, and especially the fact we kind of talked about this going on. Mickelson could have had a chance if it wasn't for a few holes that went away from him. Yeah, yeah, he was right there, and it's it's it kind of – Interesting to hear them talk about him because they use the same kind of terminology to talk about Mickelson in '96 as they do now. Just the the wizardry around the greens, and he still plays the same game where he's a little bit all over the place off the tee, and uh, but has that great great uh, short game to kind of get himself back into it. And it was uh, it was fun to watch a, a young Phil uh, be right in there in contention. Now, another thing I wanted to ask you about because you obviously watch a little bit more golf than I do is how would you compare the. Uh overall coverage of the Masters in 96 compared to what it is now and also maybe even what the course is like too because obviously the course is quite a bit different here then and maybe in some of those pin placements than it was in 96 compared to 2020. Yeah, the the, the coverage I, I think is very similar. Obviously, HD helps uh, <laughs> the, the, the the video is uh, a little bit better but um, the, and, but they, they did a good job of, uh, I think, of you know, building the the whole storyline with these two kind of going head to head in that final group, um, but uh, that that's kind of the same thing. The course, as much as it has been lengthened and and tweaked a little bit, still is still Augusta National. You still see the the same kind of shots. The guys are playing to the same place on thirteen and having that decision whether to lay up or go for the green. Um, Ten, twelve, still 
uh, a big turning point in most of the the masters that we see nowadays and um and then 16 they they moved the pin this year uh, away from the the funnel hole in one pin that we saw raymond floyd drain it into and, and tiger last year almost put the hole in one in there with it but they moved it into the back position this year which was a a big change but um it's still uh, still augusta and and still uh seems the same it kind of makes me more um i don't know fonder of watching it now that that you kind of see how similar the course does still play to to what it was back in the day and even though the guys are driving at 340 some people and, <laughs> and crushing crushing it all over the place but uh it's uh it's definitely fun to watch and i would definitely recommend anyone go back and and take a look at this or if you want to watch 97 or 89 if you want, really want to get into the Masters. 86. Just watch 86. 86 is what I meant. Yeah, 86 I mean, is what I meant. 89. I haven't seen 89. I kind of want to, because I want to see Norman just go destroy in the back nine and then pull a Norman. And then I want to see the live yeah. reaction to Scott Hoke missing a tap in to win the tournament. <laughs> that would be uh, something good to see, too. <laughs> uh, I should ask you, what is your favorite Masters? Because mine is 86 of a bullet. And then, well, because I'm Canadian, 03. And then I also, 2011, yeah. uh, where... 2011 was Schwartzel winning. That tournament's a train wreck on the back nine because you have Rory collapses. Tiger should be winning yeah. his missing putts. That tournament's out of control. Yeah, that one, I, I always forget about that one. The Rory kind of falling apart in that back nine. Um, 03, obviously, uh, as a Canadian, Mike Weir winning. Um, 97's what really got me into golf. Um, and 2016, too, Jordan Spieth's collapse uh, is, is hard to watch, especially now. Uh, that he's kind of really fallen completely off the face of the earth uh, overall. But, um, uh, and then 2019 really, really is uh, going to go down as one of the great ones. And I'm sure in 10 years we'll be sitting down and doing a podcast talking about uh, that one and, and just how Tiger pulled out that victory. So that seems like our generation. Uh, sorry, Mark. That seems like our generation's 86. Yeah, it's going to be it. <laughs> But for all we know, Tiger could have another one or two of those in him. Just the, especially the way he played this year, he was awful in tournaments all leading up to the Masters, and then it was right there in contention again. Uh, it, uh, somehow he just he just knows how to play at that course. Just don't shoot tens on the tw- on the twelve. Pro pro tips from Lucas Pankari and Mark Smith. Yeah, well, and then you then know, he goes and just six to the nuts seven after that. <laughs> ridiculous all right mark thanks for doing this i'm sure we'll have you on again here pretty soon be it golf or something else but yeah definitely um a fun term to look back on it was it was uh, thanks for uh, having me on all right if you want to hear other episodes of the show you can go to anchor.fm slash lucas hyphen funkari the show is also on itunes slash apple podcast and now on spotify we should have everything up and running on there thanks for listening once again and we'll talk soon and uh, your win last year will be remembered for a long time and uh, will you present nick with his green jacket be very happy to present you with your third jacket, Nick. That was magnificent. Thank playing. you, Ben. Thank you very Wonderful much. I like you, eh? For sure. No, no. <laughs> you did everything well. You played. Help fantastic. me, Ben. It's difficult. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Thank you very much, guys. Thank you, Nick. I've been here for all three of them, and every Thanks, time yeah, you come you. in here, overwhelmed yeah, by emotion, voice cracking, <laughs> tears in the eyes. It's kind of tricky out there, you know. Yeah. It's Congratulations, you. It's cool. Nick Faldo has won the Masters again. And for all of us from CBS Sports, good night from Augusta, Georgia.